Hi, my name's Alex Kelly, co-founder of Bright Flag, and this is In-House Outliers, a podcast where I interview those who've taken unconventional paths and challenged conventional notions of how in-house legal should operate. I'm delighted to be joined today on the podcast by Lindsay Marandola to discuss her path from litigation lawyer to her role as Director of Legal Operations at Temple Health. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alex. I'm excited. Let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up, Lindsay? I grew up in South Florida, so very different from where I landed in Philadelphia. South Florida holds a special place in my heart, but I love Philadelphia. I I think it's uh, my home permanently now. Slightly different climates, all right, I imagine. Yeah. Particularly this year, we're recording in, in early January, yeah. Yep, exactly. I, I definitely miss Florida in the winter. I'm in Dublin today. There's a real cold snap. Uh, I'd take that over the rain, but uh, yeah, wouldn't say no to a little bit of Florida sunshine about now. And Lindsay, how would you have described yourself as a kid? Honestly, very much the same way I am as an adult in the sense that I am very organized. I liked getting things done. I always liked having a project and kind of starting at the beginning and having this like roadmap for it and planning it all out. Yeah, I was a very determined kid and sometimes a little bit bossy, though I don't think I'm bossy today. I hope not. I was often told that I was I was the eldest of uh, three and was told I, I had a tendency as a kid to be bossy. Or maybe uh, I would still be accused of that somewhat. I don't know. Yep. Uh, I am also the eldest of three and my siblings would definitely still accuse me of that. Yeah, yeah hard to shake those things. And what's interesting, Lindsay, is my co-founder, Ian, our CEO, he started his career before moving into the technology space, legal tech, legal operations space. He worked as a news reporter for a period of time. And I understand you did as well. Is that correct? Before finding your way into the legal space? When I was a student at the University of Florida, I was majoring in telecommunications, so essentially broadcast journalism. And during my time at the school there, I worked for the local affiliates of NPR and PBS, so the radio and TV station. And it was a really fun time. I learned a lot that ended up being applicable to my future career. And it was just a really fun major. Working for NPR, I imagine, was was really cool. I'm a big fan of uh, Guy Raz. is a very good podcast I listen to regularly. As you said, there's, a, I imagine, a lot of skills that have proven very useful in your subsequent career. What was the kind of catalyst then to decide on a career in law? I took a media law class as part of my required course load, kind of thinking like, no, nah, I'm not going to really be the, that into this. My entire life, my family had been telling me, oh, you should be a lawyer. My mom's a lawyer. Two of my grandparents are lawyers. And I kind of just brushed it off. But I took the media law class and I loved it. There was just so many interesting parts about it. It was so analytical. And that's when I kind of started thinking that a career in law might be for me. So I was a research assistant for my media law professor who then encouraged me to apply to law school. And I applied and decided to go. Uh, That's amazing. Something that just occurred to me there, a former team member of ours here at Bright Flag, Sean Houston, he worked on our customer success team for years. He's now head of legal operations at Heineken, weird coincidence. He also, I think, majored in telecommunications at the University of Florida. Um, oh, really? Or finding his way into a legal ops leadership role. Yeah, I thought he was reasonably unique when I was 
I had him on the podcast last year, the year before when when uh, we got into his background. Uh, I think there's definitely things that have proven, as he said, very useful in terms of just very strong communication skills and 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 how important that is when you're in a role like legal operations, which which we'll get on to discuss. Obviously, you you went on to study law, as many do finishing law school, you went into private practice then. How did you find that experience and time kind of working in a law firm, those formative years? I, I went down the same route myself after law school and, and worked in a law firm for about seven years. How did you find that time? When you look back now, what were the kind of the biggest things that have stayed with you that were of, of value? Yeah, that's interesting. I was also at a law firm for a little over six years, so not quite seven I really liked my time at the law firm. I don't know about you, but I went straight through from undergrad. So I went from undergrad to law school to working in a law firm. And it was it was all very new for me. Like my first real job was being at a big law firm. But but it was good. I mean, it taught me a lot about hard work and the importance of not just doing a good job, but doing the best job because clients really won't settle for anything less, and they're certainly not going to pay for anything less. But it also taught me, obviously, a lot about the law and a lot about the business of law. So I, I spent about six, a little more than six years at Ballard Spar, and the firm was great. I loved the people. The work was really interesting. I did a variety of things. I was kind of a general commercial litigator, and a lot of people I know preferred to specialize, but I kind of liked having a variety of different cases, tons of different issues, working with tons of different clients. And you kind of really, you get to know each client's business as opposed to, you know, one discrete area of law perfectly, which which I really enjoyed. And I imagine that is in particular is so important. I can definitely relate to that in your subsequent career in-house because I kind of similarly had that predisposition. I was a corporate lawyer and and kind of liked that I was fielding a variety of different types of transactions, but then having to interact with like almost every practice area in the firm and kind of coordinating employment advice, regulatory advice, banking advice, whatever, on a specific transaction and getting that kind of broader exposure. And I think that as an in-house lawyer is a really important skill set rather than going just really deep in one specialism, being able to kind of orientate yourself and handle a variety of issues how did you find that adjustment then when you, you moved in-house? It's not about absolute perfection necessarily in giving a kind of a written piece of advice that the firm can stand over to your earlier point about only perfection is good enough. It's more about working with the business, getting things done, being able to field a variety of different issues in my experience. How did you find that transition? There's a lot of things about legal operations that I feel like are very similar to practicing law. And there are a lot of things that are very different. The main way that I think it's really similar is like one of my favorite things to do while at a law firm was like research memos. So a partner would come to me and say, we have this issue, you know, the, the plaintiff filed a complaint and we need to object to it. And we're not exactly sure which ground. And then, you know, it'd be my job to research every single possibility figure out what's the best solution and how best to phrase it in an argument. And legal ops isn't so different from that. You're given a problem like, you know, we have this inefficiency in the department. How do we solve it? And then you need to look into, okay, we can do one of these five solutions. And then once you find the one solution, you really need to research and drill down into why is this the best solution? How do we implement it? And then how do I phrase this to the broader team to encourage 
adoption and support for this project. So problem solving and research are still really big parts of my day to day, just as they were for all of the time that I was at a law firm. That part of the transition was easy. It's very different coming from being a lawyer in a law firm to being a lawyer or doing legal ops in-house in that when you're at a law firm, you're, the lawyer is the money-making part there. When you go in-house, suddenly you're a cost center and you need to figure out not just how to be more efficient, but how to save money and how to kind of cut costs. That was a big adjustment and it's it's a very different way of looking at things being in-house and trying to make your department run more efficiently than it is being a lawyer who's outside counsel, who's a profit-making partner. It's something I think you almost need to live through because it, it's often highlighted as as the most fundamental shift. But I think until you have gone through that experience of worked in private practice, move into an in-house function where your job is to enable the business while mitigating risk and doing it in a, as you say, in a cost-effective way, it's very different to being the business and being the kind of the revenue generation that has all of these ancillary support services around it. I think where legal operations is is so fascinating in, in kind of enabling lawyers to do their best work, to partner really effectively with the business. And having, I imagine, your legal background was very helpful in in kind of having that context in kind of stepping into legal operations as well. I definitely think so. I know a lot of people who do legal operations are not lawyers, but I think being a lawyer gives me a very unique perspective, especially having had, I had that experience as outside counsel for so many years. And then for one year of that, I was on a secondment. Basically, I was loaned out from my law firm to Toll Brothers, which is a construction company. And I was litigation counsel for them for about a year. And so with those two experiences, I had a really full understanding of what it was like to be a lawyer as outside counsel in a law firm and what it was like to be an in-house lawyer who's retaining outside counsel. So with those two perspectives, I think I was kind of uniquely situated to come into an in-house legal operations role and know what both sides are kind of looking for and what both sides need to be successful. Couldn't agree more. And having the kind of privilege of working with with many of our customers on their legal operation strategies, I think having that empathy and understanding of the law firm perspective, as well as the in-house lawyer perspective is so, so important. Can you maybe tell me a little about what attracted you to Temple Health specifically? Uh, it sounds like an incredible organization to be working within, first of all. One thing that's so rewarding about working for Temple Health is it's, you know, it's a health system that's really dedicated to giving the best quality medical care to what is often an underserved population. And so even though I'm not directly, you know, impacting the medical care by making the legal team run more efficiently, by making sure that we're settling the right types of cases and we're litigating the right types of cases, we can ultimately focus on the institution's goal of providing better health care. So that part of it is certainly very rewarding. I kind of ended up at Temple Health by coincidence. During my time at the law firm, I was kind of focused on getting involved in law firm administration. I had done a couple of little projects with my law firm that were more of like the operations side, more of the business side of the law firm. And I really liked that. And I was looking for those types of roles. And I told one of my 
husband's ex-co-workers that I was interested in that. My husband's also a lawyer, so she was a lawyer. She ended up moving in-house to Temple Health, and the general counsel at Temple Health said, you know, hey, I kind of think we should bring in a legal operations professional. And so she reached out to me and said, are you interested in the role? And I, I didn't even know that legal operations existed in the in-house context. So I looked into it and said, oh, wow, this is, I think, exactly what I want to be doing. This sounds great. And yeah, I started in October of 2022. So it's been a little over a year. That's fascinating. There's so much in what you said there that, that resonates. I think the first thing is, which is, I imagine, really rewarding is that working in an organization that is making a real impact on people's health. I had um, Eric Ortman on who leads legal operations at Beijing. They develop cancer treatments and, and he was making that same connection where it's like, well, we're not, I'm not necessarily directly making the drugs, but I'm enabling the business to achieve these, uh, these objectives by making the legal team run more efficiently and how rewarding that was. And then Obviously, it sounds like the perfect fit for you in in really ticking a lot of boxes in in the areas that that interested you. Can you maybe then kind of paint a picture of what the the first twelve months have looked like in your areas of focus and what you've prioritized? When I came into Temple Health, there had never been anybody in my role before. My role was kind of a a new role. I had the benefit of the general counsel was relatively new to Temple Health. He had previously worked with legal operations professionals and so kind of knew how it was supposed to work. So he brought me in and he had some high level ideas. But one thing that's great about working with him is he gives everyone he works with a lot of freedom to kind of run with their ideas. So when I started, he said, here's a couple of big picture things I think, you know, will be on the horizon, but look into them and just do whatever you think you know, is going to be best for the organization and for the department. One of the biggest problems we had right off the bat was we were not getting bills paid on time. We had this super tedious way of making like paper check requests and we would get hundreds of invoices, you know, a, a month. And so this was taking like probably the equivalent of a full-time employee to, to get all of these invoices processed. So immediately became clear to me like, okay, we need some sort of e-billing system because this is something that really should be automated. And then as I looked further into it, I, I had used a, an e-billing system with my time at Toll Brothers and I that one wasn't, I didn't love it. So I started looking into different providers, obviously ended up going with Bright Flag. So that was for the first like six, seven months, that was like my biggest thing was kind of finding an e-billing vendor implementing the e-billing solution, getting everybody on board with it. And it was nice because one other thing that the general counsel was really concerned about is he really didn't have much data. He wanted to know what were all litigation costs last year? What percentage of that was spent on medical malpractice versus general liability versus employment? And nobody really had any idea. It's been really cool to be able to implement solutions and see how many different uses they have. Like Bright Flag at its core, I think is probably an e-billing system, but it's provided so much insight into our spending habits, into, you know, we, we use it for matter management too. And with that information, we're able, the kind of the second stage, I guess, once we got it implemented, now bills are flowing through quickly. We're getting vendors paid quickly. They're very happy. We're very happy. We're spending a ton less time reviewing invoices. But the other thing that we've been able to do is like take a look at the data and kind of see like, well, what is this telling us? 
And what we learned is that we we don't necessarily need, I think a lot of people associate, sorry, I keep going on tangents here. I think a lot of people associate legal operations with like someone coming in and cutting costs and, you know, like chopping outside council bills down. And that's not always necessarily what we're doing here. So our general counsel had taken a look at the data, a lot of which came from Bright Flag, and said, I don't think the problem here is that we're spending too much money on outside counsel fees. I think we're not spending money in the right kinds of ways. And so he decided if we spend more money on better lawyers, eventually what's going to happen is we're going to have less liability in the future. And so if you spend an extra even $300,000 a year on lawyers or an extra million dollars a year on lawyers, it doesn't really matter if your overall liability and your settlement payouts are going to be $10 million less. And so with that data, we're able to see, well, how quickly are our lawyers resolving cases? Mm-hmm. Which lawyers are resolving cases the most favorably? How do they compare what is settled amount compared to the beginning reserve amount or compared to the original settlement demand that a plaintiff made? That data has been super helpful. A great articulation, I think, of the kind of the multifaceted ways having that visibility over your spend data can help in, as you highlighted, automating pretty laborious manual processes, removing unnecessary friction for your law firms, your internal team, your finance colleagues, and just getting them paid more quickly, obviously applying appropriate controls on invoices to make sure they're being, that you're not being overcharged on a kind of matter by matter basis. But then at that more strategic level, as you highlighted so well, having now a richer data set to kind of transition to kind of more objective data-driven decision-making and and back to your point about the importance of kind of connecting to the value and the, and the, the purpose of, of the business and helping the business and the organization thrive, making better decisions by mitigating liability further. And that isn't always, as you said, spending less money. It might be proactively spending more money with the premium law firm to mitigate longer term risk or avoid larger settlements down the line. And, and I think once you have all the data in one place where you where you can be looking at the, the cost of the spend, the settlement amount, who is doing what for you and comparing kind of apples with apples for strategic work versus more business as usual work, you can start to have those conversations. You can start to make those decisions. And the legal team can often be in a much stronger position in kind of talking to finance colleagues of the business about what are the budgetary needs or why are we spending this when you can kind of back it up with data in a way that legal hasn't always been good at doing. I don't know if that's part of your experience as well and how your legal team's working with the finance colleagues or others as well. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's often hard to kind of do things a new way, especially when you're coming into a department where a lot of people have been in the institution for a long time. But I think sometimes when you're used to doing things the same way for so long, a shakeup is like really what you need, whether it's in a process like, you know, putting in an e-billing solution or whether it's in the talent that you're hiring. I think that once you implement those changes and you start seeing improvements, once you implement those changes, you can kind of evaluate, are you seeing improvements? And if so, kind of keep doing what you're doing. And one reason Bright Flag is so valuable, I think, is that it gives you this data over time so that you can, like, 
step back and say, okay, well now a year after implementation, what, what does the data show? And, you know, another five years from now, I anticipate looking back on it and saying, well, are we making the right decisions? Are we like, it, it gives you accountability and the insight to constantly be improving the way you're doing things. And Lindsay, that's really uh, highlighting, I suppose, one key area, one key pillar for you, which was getting your house in order in terms of spend. And it sounds like you've got great alignment with your general counsel in their overall buy-in for kind of legal ops generally and their and then specifically their desire and thirst to kind of have data to make decisions. I'm curious, what's kind of next for yourself and the general counsel and the team? What are your kind of priorities now? Right now, the biggest project is revamping our professional liability approach to litigation. So we've hired a lot of different outside counsel, and we're really trying to grow the next generation of professional liability defense lawyers. We've started an LLM program where we're taking some of our top litigators, some of whom are seasoned medical malpractice attorneys, and some of whom are are really more general litigators who we think would be well-equipped to handle our medical malpractice portfolio. And so we're putting them into this program, sorry, Temple's LLM program, and then we're providing additional sessions that are geared specifically toward professional liability and trying to kind of train them to think about cases from a medical malpractice attorneys or from an in-house health systems point of view. And then in addition to that, we're looking at implementing contract lifecycle management software and document management software. I'm so impressed, firstly, on that LLM initiative, investing to that extent in ensuring that kind of next generation of private practice lawyer has got the right context to be adding value to your organization is so commendable. And, and it is often the challenge. You've been in private practice like myself, it's very hard to have a firm grasp on exactly how the in-house team or the business thinks about the kind of risk appetite, prioritization, the subject matter that that you're dealing with. And so giving that level of guidance, training, coaching is a great long-term initiative. I imagine you're going to, again, reap the rewards of in the longer term in terms of um, proactively mitigating risk, seeing better outcomes in these instances. So that's that's really, really impressive. I want to be respectful of your time. It's been a, a fascinating conversation and, and so, so insightful. Kind of final question from me. What do you enjoy doing in your spare time when you're not building out the legal ops program? I have a almost six-month-old daughter, so she has been taking up a ton of my time, which is great. I wouldn't have it any other way. But the other things I like to do, uh, we just came back from a ski trip, so really love to ski, although don't get to do it a ton. And I also like to practice my Spanish speaking skills, which are intermediate, but I do Duolingo. I'm really proud of my Duolingo streak. And then I have Spanish tutoring with uh, this guy who lives in Guatemala every week. So trying to trying to learn a second language. Well, that's very impressive. I have a, a now four-year-old and, and three-year-old. And certainly when they were at the kind of six-month stage, there wasn't much in terms of uh, learning new languages or <laughs> other uh, activities happening. So I'm very impressed that you're, uh, you're, 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 you're managing to do that uh, as well. That's fantastic. Well, Lindsay, as I said, thank you so, so much for, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
I'm Alex Kelly, host of the In-House Outliers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Brightflag, an AI-powered e-billing and matter management platform where corporate legal departments gain visibility into operations, maximize productivity, and engage with outside counsel strategically.